0: Welcome, True Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, where we cover books that are a blast from Peter Parker's past. Today's books came out at the same time as the following three events. Congress selects The Rose as the U.S. national flower. American rock band Bon Jovi released their third album, Slippery When Wet, which is Billboard's top-selling album of 1987, and Howard Stern radio show premieres in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on WYSP 94.1 FM. Here to provide analysis and additional insight on the most important of these three events It's my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie?
1: Uh, it was another uh, rather tough day in the public school system, but I had a delicious spicy venison sandwich for lunch. I thank my father-in-law for all the venison. It's delicious.
0: Eddie, which of the three things that I spoke about is most interesting to you?
1: it's going to be the first one i think
0: <laughs> congress selected in the rose as the u.s national flower
1: yes because the rose is in some of our spider-man books and that makes me think of spider-man
0: did you know the rose is the national flower
1: i did not actually so learn something new every day
0: eddie today we're going to do web of spider-man books yet another different way as we struggled to find a format apparently for these books <laughs> Uh, We're going to do these kind of in the, well, frankly, it's the Marvel team-up style. From August and September of 1986, Stanley presents Web of Spider-Man 17 and 18, The Magma Solution, and The Longest Road. Written by David Michelin, penciled by Mark Silvestri, and inked by Vince Coletta.
1: Uh, Joy Bricado and Peter are trapped in an underground Roxanne Corp Research Lab in Virginia while on assignment for Now Magazine the pair are trying to save an imprisoned mother and her savant son magma man shows up but when he and spidey turn up the heat and battle the whole mountain collapses uh, quick thinking and brave joy Mercado saves the boy and his mother but is unable to find peter joy heads back to new york city while peter makes a far more arduous journey home
0: notable moment the boy seth calls his hero spidey man <laughs>
1: And there we have it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fact he calls him Spidey Man, Spidey Man all the time. We don't use the, the word Spidey Man, right?
1: No, yeah, I, I so. have never used that term. So yeah, it's thank
0: Just Yeah, it doesn't doesn't flow as natural as you think. Let's talk about the next book from nineteen eighty five. Stanley presents the Web of Spidey Man Annual One, Future Max, written by Anne Nicente, art by Tony Sammons. Nice
1: job with Nesenti there, James B. I forgot to look that one up. Well, Max, an extraordinarily brainy young boy with health problems inhibiting the movement of his hands and legs, builds a robot claw that impresses Peter Parker at a science fair. Unfortunately, Max is conned by a man, Mr. Sharp, claiming to associate with one of his heroes, Reed Richards. Max straps his exoskeleton robot suit, also known as Future Max, onto Sharp and the primitive Iron Man goes on a rampage fighting Spider-Man. The battle is long with a variety of deadly weapons one might wonder how a 10-year-old secured, but Spidey defeats Sharp and helps Max pluck up the courage to meet his
0: crush. Notable moment. Beatrice, Max's crush, only communicated with Max for her whole life through a brick wall till the very last panel. I think he's older. You think he's 10?
1: I think he's 10. He's very childlike, certainly naive.
0: Uh, I think he's kind of mature. Super and smart, though. <laughs> he's mature, and the whole relationship thing makes him seem older, too. But True, true. I, I thought he was supposed to be much older, but eh, we'll, we'll debate that later on, perhaps.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: And the last of our books is from 1986. Stanley presents The Web of Spider-Man Annual 2, Wake Me Up, I Gotta Be Dreaming, written again by Anne decente and art by arthur adams
1: warlock a robotic shape-shifting alien who is part of the new mutant faction of the x-men goes to new york to see the world there he meets some scientists impressed by his hyper advanced technological body they take a tiny piece of him and accidentally supercharge him into an uncontrollable godzilla After some rampaging, Warlock blows up but ends up fine when the piece of him is returned.
0: Notable moment Warlock transforms into Speed Racer, including the car, to blend into New York City better.
1: That's not the only dated reference that occurs in this book. Did you see the one that's even more prominent, James B?
0: Go ahead, tell me. I don't remember.
1: Warlock? turns himself into David Letterman on the street.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. I do recall that.
1: (laughs) A very large drawing of David Letterman's uh, head as lots of people are like, hey, it's David Letterman.
0: Well, those are the books we're covering today because, well, that's what Web of Spider-Man was doing. We got the annuals in here to kind of juice it up a little bit. Eddie, it's now time to talk about any part of any of these books, any topic. So go ahead and take it away
1: there's a second story in the second annual we just covered that involves it. it involves many strange situations featuring prominent characters such as hobgoblin kingpin aunt may the symbiote j jonah jameson and black cat but it ends up just being a dream
0: yep and i didn't think there was even anything in there worth mentioning i would have (laughs) completely ignored ignored that whole mess Do you think there's anything in there at all? Did you learn a single thing in that whole section?
1: In the dream sequence? Absolutely not. I cannot stand when they do that. They should do a dream where something that we would at least be plausible would occur. And then we might learn something, you know, like learn something new about one of the characters. It would be interesting to see, like, a dream where, like, Joe Robbie goes off and saves someone somehow. And we learn that, like, Joe Robbie's actually from Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that the Black Fox was also in there. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe we're gonna learn something about the Black Fox like you had just hoped for. Unfortunately, it was just somebody looking up who were the last seven characters to face off against Spider Man in any way, because that's all they did. They just put it was just a recency villains. So that's disappointing. Uh no Rose, by the way. The Rose didn't even make this.
1: No. That was sad because he's occupying a lot of bandwidth in uh, Amazing right now. Yeah, and yeah. I'd go for any more information about that guy.
0: Yeah, no Rose, no Foreigner, but everybody else was basically here. What'd you think of the annuals?
1: I thought annual one was weirdly little kiddish. This book is drawn in a way that like doesn't have a lot of words and has a lot of pictures. And then it revolves around a little kid and his toy robot. It, almost a throwback to the 60s. I
0: looked at these two annuals as... Self-contained stories about unfortunate characters being outcasts in their situations. They're all confused.
2: Mm.
0: Spider-Man somehow has to deal with this problem. And the one with the robot, he just sets the kid straight and says, you know, don't trust strangers and feel better about yourself, I guess. And the one with the warlock, he comes along and says, you didn't mess anything up. You're just a baby. <laughs> <So it's, laughs> yeah, it,
1: Warlock doesn't even know he's doing it at all, really. But, he's, he's but just, Warlock feels bad for himself. so he's like,
0: no, you're fine. <laughs> Nothing yeah. to worry. Nothing to worry I, about.
1: I did really like how Peter Parker went to the science fair at Midtown High, and uh, the little kid was like, "Oh my God, you're Peter Parker! You're a legend here." <laughs> uh, I noticed both these annuals are written by a woman, Ann uh, Nocenti.
0: Since I just read both times written by Ann Nocenti, and you're like, yes. yeah, yeah, I think she creates Typhoid Mary. I know in 1988, I keep a couple Daredevil books around and. The Typhoid Mary thing was something I really, really enjoyed a lot, and I'm pretty sure it says Nesenti on it, so I think she gets credit for creating yeah. Typhoid Mary. I don't know much else about her, though. She's,
1: she's fairly prominent in several different circles, but I thought it was interesting. I just found a quick little quote from her that said, I never read comics, so the idea of a hero to me was different. I couldn't think of it in the terms of a superhero. She's referring to a character she created. I thought of it as more as a conceptual hero. And then I went back and kind of looked at these books and I'm not sure if that really gets exposed in annual one and two, but certainly a different idea of the relationship between the villains and Spider-Man in these books occurs because we're seeing like, like docile children. It's like a, like a, like I said, like something from the sixties where it's from the child's perspective, but kind of oddly uh, I don't know if I have a good word for it just in an odd way to develop a story and go through it the annuals would be worth reading just to get this feel of how Nacenti wrote them because I think we will see more of this in the future
0: I think we've covered annual one enough I think we need to talk a little bit more about annual two what happens in it sure so the the new mutants are telling warlock that, uh, I think I think it's Wolfsbane or whatever her name is, Rain, the, the one who can be a werewolf. I think she's the prominent one who starts off talking about dreams. <laughs> yes, They're all like, we want to go back to bed. We dream. And he's like, you know, what's dreaming all about? And, you know, she's like, magical things happen when you go there. It's kind of like going to New York. And he's like, I'm going to go to New York and do some magical things. <laughs> and he shows up there, Eddie, and there's two doctors. They're married because they have the same last name. They're both like Dr. Weber or something like that. Yeah. And Am I correct? They take a piece of him.
1: <laughs> they do a tiny little needle. He,
0: he gives it to them first, doesn't he? Like does. he, give, he gives yeah. it to them, and they do something with it, and he becomes like this big, like you said, uncontrollable Godzilla.
1: Yeah. Uh, Carl, the uh, husband of the two doctors, takes this little piece and thinks he's going to win a Nobel Prize for this advanced technology that Warlock is,
0: and, and then, then he the, and then he uh,
1: supercharges it somehow.
0: And then Warlock grabs his wife, you know, the other doctor, right? <laughs> yeah. And he sort of marches around with her the way that, like, uh, King Kong would have, like, with, you know, Faye. Right.
1: Up a with... large tower. And
0: then at the end, they it's kind of like, a, oh, we we didn't understand. We're so sorry, <laughs> Warlock. And, oh, we, we accidentally killed you, but we're glad you're okay type of thing. It's sort of, right?
1: Yeah. No harm, no foul. So there we go. Yeah. They really thought they killed him too. He like poofed into the sky and like, "Oh no." And yeah, they felt bad
0: about it though cuz they're signed back on the ground and that. Was and it, so. and Spider-Man's like standing around like chatting with them like, "Hey, let's solve this problem together." So they're not really evil, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, that was that book. Not we're not going to talk about the anymore about the dream. What about 17 and 18? We we glazed over them. They the second book You mentioned that, you know, Peter has a more arduous journey home. Do you want to discuss? Because this is important. Well, Peter's having this journey home. They decided, and we talked about this on our previous podcast, when we talked about the one that has no Spider-Man in it, but Jack O'Lantern's in it, Fighting Silver Sable. They decided we're going to have these books about no Peter Parker, no Spider-Man, and It hit hit one in Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. They had one in the Amazing Spider-Man. It's kind of this one here, but it's just a no Spider-Man issue because he's on his way home. Uh, You Want to talk about what happens to Peter?
1: Yeah, he gets caught as kind of a... Well, I should say he tries to hitch a ride, and then he stops
0: and... Gets arrested in some small town for stealing (laughs) a pie.
1: And he ends up being uh, kind of sold to a local... would you call this guy big game hunter who's very wealthy by the sheriff essentially yep at which point he hunts him down with this weird robotic drone thing that's flying and then obviously peter is spider-man so he beats up the drone and
0: right and everybody else by the way has been killed by this because he finds like all the graves of like all the all the prisoners who have not survived uh, you know, Squid Games, Kansas. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. So, and then he goes ahead and takes it out. And of course, the the local female sheriff who arrested him for stealing the pie, she gets involved in this. And he comes in and and, and saves suppose, her. As yeah. does he save her as Spider Man? Is he Spider? No, no, he's not. He's not no. Spider Man ever. He's just he's just Peter in this whole book. Yeah. And then she That's cuts it. him some she cuts him some slack, and she's like, All right, I'm gonna let you go. If you ever come back here again, you know, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> get lost
1: yeah well he makes her into a hero because he helps her expose the guy's scheme and the sheriff's making money on the side for selling convicts but
0: believably she's barely thankful she's like you're still a true you're still a a problem pie stealer so (laughs) (laughs) she still has him now for stealing a pie (laughs) so back in back in the cuffs he went until she decided to let him go So there's that.
1: Can you imagine being put into like a chain gang in prison for stealing a pie? I guess it would happen. Corruption in the police force everywhere.
0: Well, speaking of news and corruption, it's time for our favorite segment, which is Live with Eddie and listeners. Daily Bugle presents Live with Eddie. Each week, the Daily Bugle lets Eddie interview someone at the scene of these stories. Today, Eddie, please welcome Dr. Carl Weber to discuss everything that he witnessed. Uh, the next voice you'll hear will be uh, Dr. Carl as I patch him through. So hold on, please.
2: Hello, is this Eddie?
1: <laughs> Hi, Carl. So glad you're on the show today. How are you doing?
2: Oh, uh, scary back there. I, uh, you know, had some problems there with my... Uh, you know, biogaseous uh, electron power generator, but things are good now. Things are good.
1: <laughs> I, I saw that you took a piece and you didn't want to give it back because you thought you were going to get a Nobel Prize. That seemed like some questionable ethics from a uh, doctor.
2: Well, well, hold on. It's all in the name of science here. I mean, the uh, I was working on the uh, Carl Lattro, uh, meter M-6. And uh, you know it was it was very close, very close to what I needed to have happen.
1: Even even when your wife was in the, in the hands of Godzilla Warlock, oh, well, we'd like, like
2: to think of it—we created a Frankenstein, actually. <laughs> so
1: putting a good twist on this, Doctor Carl. Uh, I hope that your lab doesn't cause this many disruptions in the future. And um, yeah, Doctor Carl, you you're not going to continue doing experiments like this, are you?
2: Oh no! But we were completely under control here, Eddie. Uh, we we were draining off his energy like a huge uh, a huge vacuum, and uh, you know, I mean, if Spider Man could have come in and saved the day, this would have been a lot smoother. But uh, we overloaded his energy circuits; it blew his mind really far out, and you know, he he thought it was a TV set. What am I supposed to do with that?
1: <laughs> Did I hear you correctly? You're blaming Spider Man for this uh, whole debacle.
2: I think you could have solved the problem. I and mean, what's the point of having those powers if you you know can't do something with them, right?
1: All right. Ah, okay, all right. Thank you, Doctor Carl. I appreciate you appearing on the show, and I hope your your wife is okay, right? She's still good with you.
2: Yes, uh, Doctor Honey is doing just fine, uh, and uh, we're glad that uh, Warlock came out good. And uh, I look, look forward to talking to you when I do get that Nobel Peace Prize.
1: <laughs> Physically fine, I'm sure. Uh, perhaps she had some strong words with you. But once again, thank you for joining us. We'll see you around, Dr. Carl.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Dr. Carl. That's all the time we have for today. Remember to check out the Daily Bugle for even more news and firsthand accounts like this. Eddie, how can people reach us?
1: You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com click on the link in this podcast description to join our discord channel and connect with us through social media
0: and now it's time for eddie's most interesting realization
1: as reporter joy Mercado is escaping the roxon corp facility she fires an m16 assault rifle one-handed from the hip at the roxon corp baddies goodbye
0: goodbye Eddie, you mentioned how you thought the annual one was kind of a 1960s, you know, kids book, but you have been discussing lately that all these books have been really dark. And, you know, did you prefer that? Or would you prefer all these books to continue being dark?
1: I'm happy to have the diversity in plot lines. Uh, I, I think comic books should have some childish nature to them, at least occasionally. So for me, it was a nice throwback. I enjoyed thinking about the 60s again, one of my favorite vintages of reading Spider-Man. So a little a little bit more of this, perhaps.
0: If you could jump to that book, if you could call that book up in front of you really quickly, yeah? which is, this is this is Web of Spider-Man Annual 1. Yep. Could you get that? And I want you to go to like the very last panels, the last page.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So Max, our main character... Finally, he's going to get to see Beatrice, right? Yes. Yeah, the last three panels. Knocks on the door it. with his little hand with the mechanical. Yeah. And it's like, hello, Beatrice. And she's like, you must be Max. Funny, you're just like I pictured you. Uh, I make the bra, bra. I made this here. And she's like, please come in. Are you hungry? I hope you like. Look at her hand. Is this a 10-year-old?
1: <laughs> Nail polish and a uh, bracelet on? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say his hand also looks far more mature too at this this shot. I don't think it's out of proportion to have a ten-year-old with a painted nail.
0: I don't think he's a ten-year-old. I think he's, he's he's handicapped.
1: He is. He
0: he could be a he could be like a nineteen-year-old man who who you know I'm never going to play football again. I'm throwing my stuff away. I don't think he's a little kid. I know that the book sometimes draws him different ways and. I don't know. I think he's supposed to be a little, a little adult, of some sort. I mean, I have to go back and see if the science fair. This is a science fair one, right? Yes. I mean, some of these kids look pretty adultish. Maybe he's fifteen or sixteen. I mean, this is tough. Award-winning young inventor science fair. It's it's kind of purposely left vague, right? Yeah. So playing, I guess it depends.
1: He's playing baseball and running around the neighborhood, and the kids tied cans to his legs. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but at this okay, then he's a ten-year-old who's going out with Mrs. You know Mrs. Robinson here at the end. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, right? This it's a she's weird like, ending. I'll give you that, Max. I want it. and it has a big giant heart there, and she sticks her hand through. I want to touch your hand. I'm like, you know, <laughs> maybe there's some innocence. Maybe it's not so innocent. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> oh my, James B.